0: Hello and welcome to the Tap Market Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Scarborough. I'm an entrepreneur who has started, acquired, and more importantly, is focused on growing companies. In this podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs about how they got their start, what their company is about, what has worked for them to get to this point, and how they plan to build their brands. Expect to find actionable tactics that you can use to grow your business and get motivated to get through the grind into a meaningful entrepreneurial outcome that will change your life. I'm thrilled to have you here. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Tap Market and let me know if you've been listening to the podcast. I love connecting and hearing from you. All right, let's get to it. Hey guys, this is Troy with the Tap Market Podcast. We're here today with Matt Tack of Nutritious. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. I love this idea and this new brand that you started as a drinker of mushroom coffee every day and a believer of nootropics this is going to be a good one so thanks for coming
1: no thank you for having me sincerely appreciate it been looking forward to it
0: so i want you to to kick us off here tell us about the brand what it is the products that you've launched and how you got here
1: yeah so the brand is uh and this is uh what we were originally trying to jump around, but we just have gone full force into it. We serve baby food to active adults. (laughs) Is what we do. We have uh, nutritious food pouches. They are similar to baby food pouches. However, it'll come out kind of in the course of conversation, what our USP is, our unique selling strategy, but we have a very unique kind of co-manufacturing process that we're super excited about. But at the end of the day, it's a 3.2 ounce pouch of basically pureed food substance that allows you to optimize your day. So mainly our one liner is we provide busy athletic professionals or really targeting entrepreneurs, but we provide busy athletic professionals on the go daily nutrition to fuel their active lifestyle.
0: The use case for this, for all the listeners here is imagine you're getting up in the morning, you put your kids together, you run them to school. You're like, Hey, I got to go slam through a workout. You take this nutritious pouch, which is a totally convenient food substance. And you know what? A direct alternative to something like an Rx bar, mm-hmm. and you can talk a little bit more about the nutritional facts here, mm-hmm. but I've used Rx bars for that exact use case scenario. And my pet peeve of Rx, if they're listening, which they're probably not, but if they were listening is, it gets stuck in your teeth. You chew it and it's just too chewy. <laughs> so I love this pouch. It's like slurp it down. Get the energy that you need, the thing in your stomach, so you can take drew camp's pre workout yeah. you know as you go in there, get through the workout and continue on with your day or or hey you're jumping in the car, you're going to the airport, you're about to go off to a business meeting, you're like, man, I need something quick to eat, slurp it down, let's go it's the right food, so is that kind of the idea here is the, the the use case of of your products
1: hundred uh, percent it's it's those kind of like I just need a little bit of fuel. Uh, in those moments where I'm on the go. So that's 100%. Also another thing, just like as an add-in, whenever you go to the airport with kids, it's almost a guarantee you're in a rush. The reality is, is like, you are just like, I need to get out the door. We need to get to our flight. And you're just in a rush. And how nice would it be if you just had a kind of a sustainable food pouch that was under that 3.4 ounce so they didn't throw it away when you're going through security? Well, this is 3.2 ounce food pouch that you can throw in your bag and you're like, man, I just need a little bit more something than a pureed, sugary pouch, which ours definitely is a little bit different as far as how we manufacture it. There's a lot of nutrients that actually are captured in our manufacturing process, which we're really excited about. Whereas in baby food pouches, you actually, because they hot fill it, there's a a lot of nutrients lost, which a lot of people don't actually know that. But the reality is, is with these pouches, And we can get into the detail as far as kind of how we work through some of the ingredients that we did load in. But I feel like even though at the target of busy parents, isn't necessarily what we process through as our complete avatar, there has been many times where I've gotten to my plane and I'm like, I am starving right now and I got to wait for the stewardess to come through to get my pretzels or something like that. It'd be nice to have an option for a, a baby food pouch on the go. For an active adult, we'll have to shoot some videos on uh, (laughs) showing that as a case study.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. You know, that busy entrepreneur, that busy athlete, the CrossFitter, the conscious person, Mm -hmm. they're gonna be thinking about what they're actually putting in their body. I mean, if we're being honest, a lot of people aren't thinking about what they're putting in their body. And so, coming hot out of the gates, just trying to target everyone, maybe even including busy parents. It might not work because they might not be as conscious about how good your ingredients are for them, and they're unfortunately putting stuff in them that they think is filling the void, but it could just be making them either more tired or more groggy or whatever it may be less focused, whatever it may be and we can definitely get into that, but I think you're smart to pick this audience that understand what they need to do from a food consumption standpoint mm-hmm. and they'll see the value and pay probably the premium that it would take to consume your particular product. Let's take a a giant step back. Tell us how you got here. Like, Mm -hmm. what was the passion that broke through this door? How did you get into entrepreneurship? I think you were an ex-college pro painter.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I did that myself for a year. Shout out to my buddy, Nick Tottenham, who, uh, who, who painted with me in high school, so. I'm not gonna lie. That's where I got my a little bit of my itch. I mean, it was probably before
1: that that maybe I started thinking about it a little bit in terms of like high school, and then got into college. Yeah, student painters was uh, kind of my initial intro, and then I started up a painting business the summer after that. Got a little bit more of an itch, and then I don't know honestly why I just decided to like get a job, and that's what I did. So, but I I don't regret it. I really kind of gave me the fundamental base of working with Accenture really understood the financials and you obviously now knowing that you're actually a banker too you just really get a good disciplinary level of numbers and so I'm able to really discreetly underwrite deals you know look at P&Ls so from a business side I'm able to talk that financial lingo which is a you know especially when you're trying to raise capital it's something that you you need to be in tune with they like hearing numbers right what's my return what's my ROI what's my Cash on cash. What's my RRR? And I can speak to that. So that was the original. Was uh, coming out of high school into college, uh, ran in painting business. Then worked for Accenture for a while, and then moved to DC, and then to Tampa, Florida. Took on a consulting gig. Just didn't really pan out. Honestly, was at a pretty low level of my life in terms of just navigating a story and kind of bringing that home a little bit. We moved to Tampa, Florida, from Washington, D.C., and I just really. Really took on a job. It was, I remember it was a logistics sales job and reflecting now to this day, I'm like, that's the best thing that honestly could have happened to me, but it was door to door, right? So a hundred degree weather in the summertime, they wanted you to wear suits. It was B2B and you had to walk in to the front door and you had to sell logistics, right? So I'm a, i am I think it was a, uh, you know, late twenties or something like that, walking in full suit, just drenched in sweat. And trying to do my spiel to a gatekeeper of like, hey, I need to talk with the business owner. I just remembered like they almost teach you how to be like rude, tell you the truth. Like, hey, I need to, I need to get past you to get to the guy. So just just get get me get me to the guy, right? And I am like, I remember sometimes I was just profusely sweating my holes in my shoes. And I remember that just giving me anxiety getting out of bed in the morning. And I'm like, oh my goodness, where am I in life? What am I gonna do? I don't want to do this for sure the rest of my life. And so I literally remember uh, I listened to a lot of Tony Robbins at that time. And so like putting Tony Robbins uh, on my podcast and processing through, but just anxiety coming all over me. And we had had one Airbnb, right? So we came down to Tampa and this, I get just like kind of God orchestrating this, but we bought a house with an in-law suite and I give all credit to my wife we started renting out this house on Airbnb in like 2014 in Tampa. So we started renting out this and we're like, I'm like, oh, wow, this is getting traction. And then I started paying for our mortgage. So anyways, I go through this life moment of like not being able to get out of bed, trying to like make it to downtown Tampa. What is happening? And just honestly turning into depression. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just uh, looked at my wife and I was like, babe, I don't want to do this anymore. She's like, just drive Uber then or something. And I'm like, it came down to that point where I was like, oh shoot, is that is that what it's come to? I'm just going to drive Uber. I'm like, maybe. As so I literally was processing through that, and I was like, you know what? Real estate might be a thing. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, long story short, I it might have been honestly the last 5K that I ha- ever had. But <laughs> like at that moment, I know we were making a little bit of money, and like basically taking care of our mortgage on Airbnb, but it's not like we're making all that good of money. And so I remember putting five grand on my credit card to fly up to Cleveland to learn about commercial real estate. I was like, all right, whatever. I called a few people and I was like, hey, I'm interested potentially in doing something like this. So I had two choices. I had uh, fly up to Cleveland and do commercial real estate or uh, like do an Airbnb thing. Now it's become really known, but Airbnb arbitrage. And so I... For a two year period, just because I my back was against the wall and I was like depressed and I, I didn't know what to do. I arbitraged and I actually hacked one of them by taking out debt. I grew up to 12 Airbnbs over a two year period. It was cool. And so I started doing that. And at the same time I started learning commercial real estate. Like I told you before, you know, kind of like our call, raise some capital for some commercial real estate deals. I uh, got into three more syndications. And that was my early stage of just just grinding, just moving. I just had to move, you know? And so that was like the initial stages of entrepreneurism, of really kind of like understanding capital stacks and and then managing Airbnbs and kind of like fine-tuning those things. And then realizing after about two and a half years in the in the hoteling biz that living and dying by the review on Airbnb was not something I wanted to do for an extended period of time either. So anyways, that's how I got into larger capital stacks, learning business, and now we're here today, building out nutritious and loving it.
0: This might be the greatest story I've ever heard in my life, actually. It hits home with me so much. I mean, not too different of a background. I ended up going to school as an as an adult, getting my undergraduate degree in accounting. Before I did that, door-to-door, knocking on doors, selling. Ours was more like, Promotional marketing work. I met my wife there. Uh, it's off. But there's nothing, nothing more challenging than walking <laughs> door to door and trying to sell someone on the spot. Yeah. You aren't going to make a bunch of money doing this. I will tell everybody that. Like, you absolutely, I don't care what anybody says, you will not make a bunch of money doing that. But You're going to learn Mm. the skills that you need to be successful, especially in entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. by doing that for a period of time. So if you can do it when you're young Mm -hmm. and take that many no's, oh, there's nothing like that in the whole world in business.
1: It was a lot. (laughs) When you're in the journey, right, it is just hell. There was one day... I uh, friggin ripped the hole in my pants. Like uh, I actually, it was a pretty big deal. I had leaned over and this is when I was like lifting like a good amount, like actually just to like, obviously get my mind right. And so I was lifting a lot and I had like bigger legs and my, my pants were a little tight to me. I'm not going to lie. So I walked this one and I remember leaning over, like trying to help a guy on a computer, like, Oh yeah. And man, it like literally ripped from the back of the seam all the way down and I'm like, oh man, I just ripped my pants, and I like <laughs> literally know it's all of that. Like, I just ripped my pants, like a huge rip. This is beyond just like sweating and having all of so that. I'm like,
0: is this the bottom or what? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, we are officially brothers because I'll never forget the lowest low. <laughs> I'm literally like sleeping on an air mattress in my apartment. That's like my bed. I'm walking around with shoes that, like, the 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 rubber oh, yeah. is like coming off of the. I literally ate the top of the shoe. I literally walked through my shoes, going door to door. Man, I was dead broke. I was eating dollar banquet meals oh. type scenario, sleeping on an air mattress, hustling, yeah, hustling, man. That's what it's about, right? Really. I love this. Oh, we're gonna have to dig into this more. We're gonna do a whole episode on this. <laughs> See if we can like one up each other on how miserable the order our sales were, but how much we learned at the same time. Oh man, that's it. When did you get this spark for the pouches or for nutritious in like this particular venture? Now coming out of the background in business and actually being successful in commercial real estate and, mm-hmm. and sort of turning it all around? How, how did you get to this point?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question because I think that really what it came down to was a couple different factors. But I remember distinctly being in a stage and my, my daughter, my second daughter, I just said, you know what? I have to figure it out. Like I have to figure out what I'm going to do. And I was pretty diligent in a couple different things, but reading was number one of them. Reading is something that I had committed to about five or six years ago, of like almost every day. So like I was at a point kind of in that low stage too of, is my wife good enough? My thoughts were just like trending in a, a really, really bad direction, right? And so recapturing my thoughts was something that I had to do. And I'm a spiritual person. Boy,er at the end of the day, and I, I felt like I was just praying about it. And uh, there was a—I remember there was a time. There's—I just heard it like a voice, whether people believe that or not. I just felt like a direction of, hey, what should I do next? You know, and that next was actually to go into this thing called Celebrate Recovery. I wasn't a drug user. I ne- I've never used drugs. I've always been kind of like health focused, and it was just like, hey, if you're if you want to work on your marriage, go work on your marriage. And so I got into this thing and I started talking around around these guys. And there was like different pain points, but I, I like opened up a Bible and I'm dude, I like read this thing. The Bible was like that thick. It was like full of stories too, of like wins, like in success stories of people went bottom top. And I'd like literally read the entire thing when I was like 28 years old, I've like literally marked it up like crazy. And since that day I started reading and I read on average today, about 40 books a year by getting up in the morning. So I started reading, 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 right? And so like, whether about business, personal development, whatever it is. And so the real crux is one, the kind of the back of the against, what am I going to do, right? And I had that entrepreneurial urge in college and then got kind of got out and I was like, am I gonna make the thing to like really develop something, right? And so then I got into real estate. Well, then when I started having kids, I started thinking about longevity. How active do I want to be for a long period of time. And so then I started, you know, obviously like the Ed Milets of this world, that's a guy I focus I love Ed, and the Ed Milets and other people. And I, I've been Andrew Huberman, I started thinking about psychology, reading started psychology books. One of the things that really came back to is that I don't need to be lifting like these heavy weights. I will tell you the truth, I actually did take steroids. So like steroids was the one thing that I did. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. But I did it for the intentions of like, I would just want to lift massive weights, right? And so by doing this, though, I was gaining mass. Like, I mean, I I gained like a lot. I was about 235 pounds, just like mass, not shredded, but like mass. And I'm like, is this the end goal? Is this going to make me like at 50, 60 years old, I could still play with my grandchildren. Maybe even at 70 or 80 years old, I could get down on my knees and like, I'm feeling good, right? How do I plan for that now? And so all this started to coming through when when I started having children. And so that's why I love your shirt. Fatherhood is dope because it is. Um, And being married is is amazing as well, right? Yeah. You know, I love my wife. And I was like, man, I want to start thinking of these things now in my mid 30s of like how I can perform at another level, even when I'm in my 70s and 80s. So anyways, long story short, that's really how it came down to is that I wanted to start, number one, reducing my caloric intake. I wanted to change my mindset of the concept of food. And then I also wanted to live in this more micro-living. And by micro-living, I read this book called Atomic Habits, right? I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits by James Clear, but atomic habits is like break things down into bite-sized pieces. And so when I started doing that, I started thinking even at a, like another level. And so about two years ago, I started, no joke, becoming a connoisseur of my kids' pouches. And so I started eating various ones, trying them out, started making my own. And that's eventually led to my dietary restrictions of why I bring in a level of intermittent fasting, but then also not. I fast, actually intermittent fast from Monday night to like a Tuesday night for a long period. And without going into the weeds, like autophagy fasting and doing all these other things. But I started going down this rabbit hole of biohacking and longevity. And that's ultimately what led to nutritious, how do we incorporate these things with a micro mindset and making it very easy to be healthy. And so that's where ultimately it derived from. And that's where we are today and kind of like exposing the brand. I don't know if that explained it very well, but.
0: No, it does. What you're talking about is you're serving yourself. You've gone out there and you identified like, hey, there's this sort of problem. I don't have this snack, this quick to go food that meets my expectations from a quality standpoint and from a quickness standpoint and in all of these other factors that you're talking about. Did you go through a process with which you tested the theory of serving yourself with these pouches and with these products? on other people and how did you go about sort of building that audience and getting that feedback to know that you were onto something that's worth investing in in getting manufacturing for in launching and getting to where you are today? How did you get that initial start with the audience?
1: Yeah. So we have done a little bit of beta and trial in terms of our avatar But now our avatar is kind of shifted, right? We originally are thinking busy athletic professionals and so getting case market and case study. And then, you know, originally it was like busy parents that also eat their kids' pouches, which that's a real thing, right? But the whole thing in the incubator that we're in is like, okay, niche down, niche down, niche down, niche down, right, even further. So that's ultimately why we're even now... So it's somewhat of a, I would say a newer target audience or a newer avatar that we're even niching down and then piloting and baiting it on them. But we did a pre-launch without products. We have about a hundred beta users right now that we're actually scheduled to go into production and then give them and then get feedback from them early on in terms of usability, tasteability, all those things. So next month we'll have a very, very good idea in terms of that type of structure, the main thing we did on the front end just to get case market study was literally asking people, do you eat your kids' pouches frequently? Like more than a couple times a week, right? And so we had our original case study of about a hundred people that we kind of interviewed that number one, we wanted to ask them, do you consider yourself an active adult? What do you do? Bike ride, whatever it might be, run was a big kind of like avatar, but it was mainly like our close network. So, as you know, Sean McCool, love that guy. Give him a shout out to Sean McCool, he's amazing.
0: Sean does real greatest copywriter out there. Anybody look him up, he's the best. He's awesome. Just so much value. So, what we
1: did was uh, we went on his initial model of just like the early basis of getting clear kind of communication and commitment as far as where we're at. And that's within our controllables of our circle of influence. And so kind of that hot list uh, that you build out. And so that's who we started with kind of creating that dialogue. And then we try to hone that down in terms of like age range, demographic, who usability. So we're really, our users are the age range of like 25 to 45. That do have children that kind of understand the pouch scenario. That do to eat two to three pouches a week of their kid pouches. Like, yeah, I'm hungry. I'm on the move. I I would like this. So we, you know, that education, that retraining. That's ultimately where we started. And the feasibility of yeah, hey, we think that there's a market. Now we're at the point of really putting our money where our mouth is and just going into a, an initial production run. And get, really getting these beta users some real some real pouches that we expect them to use on a two to three times a week for whatever scenario they might be in and really getting that valuable feedback. So we're stepping into something a little bit more tuned in and, and focused in our control group within our avatar.
0: I like your strategy, though. This is something anybody can do as well, which is essentially pre-launch, pre-sale launch pre sale cover those, at least part of the cost of your first production run by pre-selling. So Matt has an audience of people within his personal connection that he can reach out to, which his other founders can reach out to, to try to get people engaged, to commit to buying their family, friends, acquaintances, business partners, etc. Any of these people that you can reach out to, to get them to give you the first $50, $100, in a pre-order scenario to raise the few thousand dollars you need to ease the burden of the production run. And then these are all people that are going to be your testers of product. Now, if you don't have an audience that can build big enough to raise enough money to go meet minimum order quantities, you just go about that process a little bit differently, right? You create a Facebook group in the busy parents space, the athletic busy parents space, And you introduce the products there after you add a ton of value to them. The way you tell them, how can you eat food quickly on the go that's healthy and all these things? You eventually get to that idea of this is what I need, this pouch, this product, and then this Facebook group. They're the people that you would launch the products to that you would bring into your pre sale page and convert. And it doesn't even have to be hundreds, it could be tens of people doing a pre-sale, it would be enough to get you there to ease the burden of manufacturing. Because a lot of people are sitting there going, how am I going to come up with X thousands of dollars to launch this actual physical product? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't have to. Sometimes you can just put in the work to build the audience. And if there's enough need, they'll support the launch of it directly. Yeah. What's next for you then? So when is the production run?
1: We actually, going back, we did hire a food scientist early on. I would not recommend that. So like people that are listening in and that would need like, uh, of course, uh, here, you always want to identify somebody that you then can scale with. We learned that kind of the hard way because we spent some money up front with a food scientist, which I don't regret because it got us moving. It forced us to take action, but they actually didn't allow us to scale so then we felt like we were back to square one and then we would search it all around and then we found such an amazing co-manufacturer. So now we're at the point of getting our, basically what we did with our food scientists at scaled production. So we get our samples next week in terms of where we can go in commercialization. Then we go into our beta production. Our beta production is obviously for our users exactly. You couldn't have said it any better for our users to get then early feedback which again is almost like it's still part of that pre-launch cycle. Then once we get that feedback and based on the documentation of that, and then our products are good to launch, we'll go into another pre-launch but with inventory. So like then we'll start going into commercialization but we'll call it a pre-launch saying, hey guys, and so we want to build up that pent up demand. So we're gonna leave a gap and we'll probably, we'll probably go ahead then and launch like in June or July. It's kind of our target, but we'll do a secondary pre-launch, but that's actually with inventory at that point.
0: This is great. Essentially, those beta testers are getting kind of a deal on this first round and there's going to be a tweak. Somebody's going to come back and say, oh, the consistency is a little off or the top didn't work for me to put it back on. And Whatever it comes up with, yep. it won't be what we think it is. Exactly, You can bet on that. <laughs> and then you'll make the tweak and you'll bring that next inventory to market. Yep. But I mean, it's January now, right? We're, we're recording this. By the time this goes live, you could be in sort of that next round of pre-launch. There could be some beta stuff coming. When that does launch, we'll have you back on, do a Facebook Live and launch that stuff too because I think this product's great. What's your plan for attracting those people when you get to that point, when you get through the testing and you leverage the beta process? How do you get from hundreds of people to thousands of people of reach? Have you guys formulated a plan there?
1: For sure. Our marketing strategy is two things, paid ads being uh, the most important. So paid ads through Instagram and Facebook, mainly Instagram. But you mentioned Facebook groups we actually have kind of, I've done a lot of research and it's something that is really, really big in terms of what they teach us in the incubator. But we've allocated some of our capital, actually a a good amount of capital to scale up over the next four to six months with paid ads towards a, a Facebook group, a free Facebook group that we can add value to. And then ultimately, so we have a fractional like CMO that we're bringing in to assist us in that capacity. So really adding value in that Facebook group and then upselling with a digital product. So we actually are creating like a course right now to help people with kind of that micro concept living that we were talking about. And that that'll be actually an upsell component to our actual product. So we'll have a we'll have a physical product and then a digital product upsell where we can help people on that Facebook group. So we'll be really, really focusing on that. And then the other layer that I don't know if we mentioned, but that we were talking about was the affiliate model. So we are looking to bring on as many really micro influencers, larger influencers too, but that have reach and a lot of organic activity or a lot of trust with their audience. So people that you know they could have two thousand, they could have ten thousand in terms of like audience strength. But really bringing them on is what we consider like the nude up athlete. We want to sponsor them as the nude up athlete. And what we want to do because we are going to be a D 2 C D 2 C provider in terms of our product and our supplement is we're 10% affiliate commission on the lifetime value of any, anybody they bring in. So that never goes away. If you know, people keep reordering, that's still 10% goes to them. And so we want to expand the reach that way of really getting new to a lot of nude up athletes on board where we can expand our reach and you know hopefully get a lot of customers from it too.
0: I like that because that sponsored athlete program is really an audience builder for you. It's how you get after warm audiences. They have audiences they've built trust and credibility with that if they truly believe in your product, they become this ambassador with and for you. It's very easy and natural for them to show how they use it throughout their day that will spiral into other uses. So they'll create content, UGC, that you can then go use in cold marketing like Facebook or TikTok or Instagram or other places that you know is already successful in reaching people on those platforms. So if Mm an ambassador does a great piece of UGC that has 10x the amount of engagement than the normal platform, that's the one you take and you go... I'm going to boost this and it's going to get much higher conversion rates for you. And you're just constantly running new UGC tests like that to really scale up because you're only going to be able to get as far as your ambassador's reach will have. But when you take the nuggets of value from that and you put ad dollars behind it, you can reach unlimited, as many as you want to go after, Yeah, but you need to have the right content to convert. Otherwise... Going straight to cold traffic is going to be unprofitable. I think everybody is sort of proven that. The other things that that you can do is you can try to find some partners that you can co-market with mm-hmm. that are adjacent to you. So, you know, we're always talking about Drew and his and his TEDCo company. Great example, right? He's creating pre-workout. There's no reason why you couldn't put a little card insert with his pre-workout mm-hmm. and his pre-workout with your pouches, and you guys could co-market together to reach each other's audiences. Leah, with the flipping holders, is another great example. She literally has the kid pouch holder company. Now, she's targeting the parents for the kid's problem, right? But if we're talking about potentially some parents that have eaten pouches before, it could be low-hanging fruit that you know they understand what this is. And with the right a, B testing and the, the marketing inserts, you might be able to really hit some, some trials there, of people and, and convert them. What I really like about your particular product is that it's consumable. One of the brands that we run is called LawnServe. It's a DIY lawn care subscription box. And the subscription model allows me to have to ship somebody something every single month. They put the fertilizer down on their lawn Next month, they need another box. And so that consumable subscription model is great. The key piece that when you're a brand new company that you need to figure out is the lifetime value, which you're going to have to make some guesstimations at until you really figure it out. But once you do, you'll know that when I book somebody, their lifetime value is $500. And therefore, I can spend $100 to acquire them. In you'll know a lot more. But the nice part is, is you leverage this warm audience partnership with ambassadors to get you there to start to understand the lifetime value of your customers. And you don't lose your shirt on customer acquisition costs along the way.
1: Yeah, 100%. And it's also, yeah, the warmness of the lead, right? It's almost like we'd be paying in marketing costs to acquire that customer anyway. So why not like add value to somebody else is kind of our thought process behind that. So, And then also us being able to control that experience of really being intimate. How does somebody feel? One of the things that we want to adopt early on is like handwritten notes. You know, that experience that, oh, man, they took the time to give me a handwritten note. Uh, It's pretty wild. So that's something we want to kind of incorporate into the culture very early on.
0: Yeah, I like the handwritten note. That's something we did er very early on in our businesses they got unscalable. Once you get to the unscalable part for us, we switched to taking the reviews and showing them off on our social media. So we'll take screenshots of reviews from Amazon or from our Shopify store, and we'll screenshot those and we'll promote those. And you can even shoot a a short video if you want every once in a while, just thanking somebody directly even though it can feel like you're talking to somebody you don't know when you get to scale, the people recognize that when they're in the buying process from you because typically a conversion of somebody where they're converting because of a testimonial, like a review, they're going to subconsciously understand that and they're going to be more likely to write you a review when it gets to the point where they get offered to write you a review because they saw Matt took the time to screenshot a five-star review, post it on Instagram, and shoot a video thanking Kathy from Nebraska for the five-star review and that she bought yeah. these for herself and for her husband because they're busy on the go parents or something like that. Yeah. That will move the engine of the reviews for you as well. So I think it's a great idea. Yeah, that's huge. So if you were needing anything from this audience what could this audience do for you? We've got your Instagram page. I think it's Nutritious C O, so Nutritious Co. We've got the websites nude up, N O O T U P com. Where else can people find you? What can we do to help support what you're working on?
1: Yeah, honestly, a lot of the content is driven out of my personal brand right now. So like building up my personal brand, that obviously will eventually be detached, but you know, early on. I like sharing my story. And, and I think that's where there's a lot of relatability. So at official Matt Attack, as you can find me on Instagram or Facebook on that, and even TikTok, that's where we're kind of walking through the journey of all this. And we're committed to our content. So that's mainly where you'll see a lot of the content and the driver. As far as value, we're always looking for extra beta users. So if there's anybody that wants to be a bit that in that early, early round beta users. We're still accepting those, you know, going even into next month or I don't know when when this is actually physically going to air, but we're looking for that. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it's mainly just some encouragement. I'll tell you what, the life of an entrepreneur, there's a lot of hills, there's a lot of valley, valleys, um, but it's just don't let the valleys go too low and don't let the peaks go too high, right? Our kind of thesis is we want your human experience to thrive if there's one thing that we want out of Nutritious, if you buy our product and maybe even share it with somebody else, that's what our mojo, that's what drives us every day is we want your human human experience to thrive. And and what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? And I can kind of end with this too. How really are you making those amazing moments? I was talking with a mentor the other day and some of the most amazing moments are the small moments, you know, just to give an example. I had a a young daughter, she's uh, six years old, and she was running away crying. And uh, there was this uh, amazing moment that I was able to just breathe for a minute and go over there and talk to her. And uh, it was because she had a bad golf shot too. And just be like, hey, Melina, let me tell you about you. You're amazing. You're brave. I love you so much. Let's just take a deep breath and get back out there. And so how are we creating more of those amazing moments to let our human experience thrive? So- that's me, that's nutritious, and that's what I got.
0: <laughs> I like that. I, fatherhood is dope, man. I'll tell you, I showed up to my son's tennis practice the other day, and you, know, you walk up to, that, to the glass where you can watch him, and he catches you out of the corner of his eye, and he lights up. So happy to see you there watching him, because his mom usually will take him to this particular practice, and I happen to, be, I happen to switch it up and go there. And it's that like magical moment that makes fatherhood dope (laughs) that we get to be a part of their lives and guide them. So I'm totally with you. love that. And what was the name, give me the the detailed name of the coaching thing you're working on right now as well. What was the focus on that?
1: That is mainly just like essentially break down every single component of like kind of that biohacking lifestyle. So I actually have a free PDF that I'm rolling out as well that kind of gives you daily guidance and then kind of a 30 day challenge of check off components that you can walk through. So that's something I'm giving away and I'd give away anyone that wanted to in terms of the audience here. And then the course, the course is gonna be more video based content of what I call the MSP method. We came up with that a little while back. That's the mental, spiritual, physical component of how we're stepping into a layer of abundance from a mentality every day, allowing your human experience to thrive. And then so from a spiritual component, and then also from the physical. So some of the things that it walks through, just to give you an idea from even like a physical component, uh, it'll walk you through how to develop proper brown fat, brown fat being just your healthy type of fat, cold showers, and various other techniques that you can get better brown fat. And brown fat is very good for longevity. And then also recommended book readings uh, to allow some level of spirituality or the mentality to gather focus. Those are some of the things and then bringing on like some uh, business influential leaders in, in that space as well. But really keeping in mind, how do we really accelerate, optimize with really that key living? Oh, another thing, important thing that I love talking about is just gut health as well how that relates to longevity and, and, and a proper mental mindset. So those are some of the things, but it would be called the MSP method.
0: Okay. Give me those links. I'll share them with the community here too. Yeah. To follow up on that. That's great. Next time we do this interview, me and you together, maybe we'll get Wim Hof to join us. <laughs> yeah. We'll do it under cold showers. I, <laughs> I am a cold water guy. So I, I love it. love it. This has been phenomenal. I'm going to be a beta tester. Love it. I'm going to be doing some YouTube videos on the products. Beautiful. And continuing to push out the story to the tapped market audience. So I'm looking forward to having you back here and spreading more of this word. Matt, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for being here, bud. Absolutely. Keep grinding through this journey. It's going to be extremely successful. I already know it. We'll, we'll talk soon. Sound good? Thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate it hi there if you found this podcast helpful i would appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review this increases the reach to more entrepreneurs and other people interested in the products brands entrepreneurial stories and their successes so we can create even more positive small business outcomes take a screenshot tag me in your social stories to friends this means the world to me to know this podcast has influenced your day and life in a positive way and that we get to be a part of your own journey With gratitude from me, until next time, go make it a great day.